Welcome to Mortgage Broker Acceleration with James Vagley and Ash Playstead. Being a successful mortgage broker is not just about offering great rates and great service. You need to become the best marketer, leader and strategist to outthink your competition. If you want to grow your mortgage business and do it smarter, keep listening. If you want to accelerate even faster, visit www.brokerworkshop.com. That's brokerworkshop.com. Now, let's accelerate. Here's James and Ash. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the MBA podcast. I'm James, and as always, I'm joined with my main man, Ash Playstead. How are you doing, Ash? Yeah, going really well, James. Great to be here. Uh, How are you going? Yeah, great. Good, good. And listeners, we've got a great, juicy episode for you. And the title of this one is, Sorry, Nice Brokers Don't Win. And again, with a lot of the episodes that we produce for you, uh, Ash, we know that we pretty much do a 180 on the advice and general know-how of a lot of the industry and a lot of brokers. Um, There's a lot of misinformation out there and a lot of mistakes, and we want to fix those. And this is another big one. We've seen or we continue to see a lot of brokers that are well-meaning and really good at what they do, in fact, being too nice. And we're going to obviously have to define what we mean by that. And we're going to go into what it means and why it's a problem to be too nice, why that doesn't actually help you win customers and build your business. Then, of course, we'll get into what you need to do instead. Ash, nice brokers. We're not talking about being a (laughs) you-know-what. We can still... (laughs) <laughs> oh, I don't know. We'd have to tick the box on Apple then to say that there's, you know, uh, explicit material, which there isn't. Um, yeah, let's dive into this one. I think this will be a really valuable episode. Yeah, looking back to your point, James, um, about uh, the advice in the industry. And look, if the general advice and, and everybody's thinking was already, you know, correct, everybody would be killing it. Everybody would be crushing it. And we just know that's not true. So generally, the right advice is the opposite of the advice that you're getting. So it's very counterintuitive, which is, you know, to explain why a lot of the things that we talk about go against the mainstream, because we know that they are the truth. It tends to be camouflaged beneath the normal advice. So this conversation about being nice, it's it's one that you know, I've kicked around, you know, for myself and the teams that I've built and brokers and even customers um, over the over many years, you know, two, three decades, to really draw this conclusion that this delineation between, between being nice and being authoritative. And I would use an example, perhaps to give listeners an idea of where I'm coming from with this. It's like going to the surgeon to get diagnosed uh, you know, you might have a life-threatening or potentially a life-threatening situation or you've got a relative who's got a life-threatening potential illness and you go to the specialist. You know, you're not that interested in the specialist's bedside manners. Yeah, there's certain basic levels of politeness that need to be obeyed, but you're there to be di- diagnosed and to get a solution. And sometimes you just don't know how to go about that. So that's where I would position this conversation and that's my belief that that's where brokers need to position themselves essentially at that head surgeon level 
And that means you need to, you know, you need to be focused on more of an order giver than an order taker. Yeah. yeah I like that you mentioned that because that's probably the key mistake that we do see a lot of mortgage biz brokers. And this goes for probably a lot of people in customer service and sales. This could easily be relevant for financial planners. It could be relevant for insurance advisors. It could be relevant for um, people in property and wealth creation. So with mortgage brokers, it seems that the default is to be reactive and an order taker, i.e., Whatever the customer says they want, the mortgage broker gives them. Um, customer's going to buy a home. Great. Let's look. Uh, Mr. Customer, what are you looking for in a loan? You know, haven't you heard that one, Ash, that when we sit down with a customer, a lot of brokers are asked or taught to ask the customer, what are you looking for in a loan? I actually can't think of a more ridiculous question to ask somebody. How does a customer know what they need in a loan? You're the expert as the mortgage broker to sit down in front of a customer and say, what do you want? What are you looking for in a loan? To me is like walking into the mechanic and the mechanic saying, how would you like me to service your car? Oh, James, it's like going to the heart surgeon and saying, and the heart surgeon is saying, now, what are you looking for in heart surgery? Uh, I want you to save my life, right? That's about it. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to know all the nuances of how they go about it. And as humorous as that is, it's actually really, really powerful and an important mindset shift. And, you know, so many of us come into this industry with a sales mentality, which is okay because, you know, we are essentially selling. But that mentality or that mindset comes with a lot of baggage, which is this perception that we need to convince the prospect, the client or the lead to do business with us. You know, so we've got to convince them. And that breeds a mindset of the customer leading the conversation, the customer being in control of the conversation and dictating what they're looking for. And then you responding, as you said, reactive. When the truth from a prospect in the mortgage industry, people don't really know what they're looking for. A mortgage it's right up there with open heart surgery. Most people, and I've asked this question many thousands of times, James, and there's never more than two or three answers that have ever come from somebody what they're looking for in a loan. Uh, a good rate, uh, flexibility, and an approval. That's what I want. <laughs> you know, it's like, so unless you are prepared, and this is where, you know, perhaps we need to go with this is, Prepare yourself to take the conversation in the direction you want it to go and to develop a process, a sales process and a conversational process to, you know, correctly and appropriately take the conversation in that direction. Exactly. Because we, we know that the customer is not always right and they usually don't know what they want. Um, so the default to ask them what they're looking for is really just um, it's kind of you're just waiting to be led by the customer. And we know in any sales situation, we need to lead the customer and not the other way around. So by being nice, that's what we mean here in this conversation. So by brokers being nice, what we mean by that is answering the phone and helping customers just um, for example, 
people ring up and they ask you questions and you just give them advice. Um, they ask the questions, you give the answers. Uh, if they're looking to meet up, you're flexible and you'll do whatever they want. You can come see me, I'll come see you, we'll meet at a cafe. Um, this is the biggest issue we see. It's this general culture of doing what the customer wants, the customer is right, we're going to do what they like and be flexible to do it the way the customer wants. And the second we actually do that, yes, we're being, you know, we might win some customer service awards for patting the dog and meeting our customers for coffees and being a nice person, but we're going to lose business. We're going to lose the respect of our customers and we're going to be losing business because they're, at the end of the day, people want to be led. And the only way to really develop that expert status and trust with someone is not to bend over backwards and go see them on the weekends and after hours and whatever they want. It's actually to tell them what they need to know and create structure. Ash, I'll, like, I'll, I'll go off on a random tangent for a second. Anyone that's, anyone that's got a dog, I know you've got a, a couple of dogs, Ash, and you know, if you're a dog person, a lot of people that own dogs, maybe a lot of our listeners own dogs, the default for a lot of people when they own dogs is they believe that dogs, number one, want love and affection. And so they pat the dog, the dog sleeps on the bed with them, you know, the dog eats when they eat, um, you know, the dog sits on the couch with them. They treat the dog like one of the family. That's everybody's happy. But if you listen to the advice of experts who are dog trainers and you know, dog, dog psychologists and all this sort of stuff, they'll actually say the hierarchy of a dog's needs is number one is, um, well, the first two, do you know what they are, Ash? I'll throw you under the bus. Uh, well, in my, well, look, I, I don't know the technical definition, but I'm sure it is along the lines of, they need essentially to be led. They need structure and they follow uh, leadership and authority and in dog language, a master. Mm -hmm. um, they're pack, pack animals and pack animals. And I'm not likening people to pack animals. Don't get me wrong, listeners. But, you know, psychologically, the vast majority of us want to be led. We yeah. desperately need to be led. Um, even if we can't verbalise and make that obvious. Um, I mean, James, if I was going into a shop to buy a coffee, yes, I want you to be nice to me because, you know, uh, your skill at making a coffee is second or third. I want to feel the right ambience and the right relationship. But when it comes to a mortgage, yeah, those things are nice to have, but I'd much prefer you to know what you're doing and to <laughs> understand me and give me the solution that you know is best for me. Exactly. So you're right. Um, you know, the, the number one thing dogs need is uh, obedience and leadership. They need to know their place and they need to have that mental stimulation of um, following a leader and doing what they're told. And then the second one is exercise. And then the third one is love, affection, pats, things like that. But most people do it the other way around. And uh, I bring that up just because it's so similar to business. Most go in with that third thing, which is love and affection, transition that to a business. It's 
I want to be a, a nice person. I want to be my customer's friend. I don't want them to, you know, I want them to like me. And then from there, they work up through to delivering an outcome. But uh, the problem is in the dog world, if you, I'm going to persist with the dog analogy, if you <laughs> drive with the love and affection, then the dog actually uh, doesn't know its place, isn't getting the exercise and, it, and leadership it needs, so it actually ends up with problems. Um, and customers are the same. If they're not led by a strong leader with a, a good process, then they don't know what to do. And when customers feel like that, they're likely to go off to their banks and lenders and other mortgage brokers because they're not actually getting what they actually crave, which is to just be told what to do, to be led and to feel confident that they're going to get the outcome. Um, and third, if they happen to like you as well, that's just a bonus. Yeah, I like the way that you've added it as a bonus. And look, I, I want to make the point too that being nice and being in control of the process are not mutually exclusive. It's not about sacrificing being a good person or being nice in order to win the business. In fact, I would argue that the two are very complementary. However, I think the point here is that with very rare exception, and certainly in my experience in the industry, which, you know, uh, spans thousands and thousands and thousands of interviews with, with clients and, and loans, is I, I couldn't count on one hand the amount of people that have chosen me to do business with because I'm the nicest person. Yeah, I, it's nice. It's nice to think people like you, but it's always because they believe and trust that I know what I'm doing. And that comes from a position of authority and obedience. Um, and anecdotally, I mean, I've told this story and it's probably worth me repeating it here in this uh, discussion, James, for, for listeners to give a, a, a framework to this. In my early days in broking, you know, I've spoken about this, how I used to run around a bit like a headless chook, you know, back in my early days working, you know, in the Aussie home loans structure where it was lead driven, lots of leads, lots of people ringing in looking for deals and the leads would get fed to me, the broker. And I'd just be running around servicing people. Oh, how can I help you? How can I help you? Driving here, driving there. And I, and I did some reasonable volume. However, the turning point, really one of the major turning points in my life and my career was when I got, when I wised up and when I figured out with some good mentorship that don't respond based on people telling you what they want, have people respond to you telling them what you want. Now, my business tripled overnight from the same amount of inquiry. I went from, you know, converting, I don't know, one in four leads to converting three in four simply by becoming an authority. And an example of that would be a customer saying, okay, that really sounds interesting, Ashley. Send me something in the mail and I'll let you know, like an application. You know, and I used to send them out in the mail and wait and hope that people sent them back. You know, and listeners, this is back when you had to, you didn't have attachments on emails, you had to send things in the mail. Um, the moment I said, no, that's not my process. My process is I'll come out and see you, make sure that I can help you and I'm the best person to help you. And if everything's okay, I'll, I'll give you what you need. And the customers would be like, oh, okay. I'd go see them and inevitably I'd always win the business. So that's, and, and so my point there is, Getting more leads in the door is good, 
but converting more of the leads you've already got is better. hundred percent. I, for our Australian listeners, they'll know that we have this terminology, Ash, as you know, that when we're recommending loan options to clients that the loan just has to be not unsuitable. <laughs> it's one of those double yeah. negatives, not unsuitable. So, uh, I like to think it, it in this way that you just have to be not unlikable <laughs> to your customers. I think you can just coined a new phrase there, James. Beautiful. Not unlikable. Um, it, it's the same as, you know, number one, you are there like a heart surgeon to get the job done. You need to be amazing at delivering results. And that's what people will be drawn to. You know, when we think about the two biggest things in someone's life, well, it's their health and their money. And when it goes to their health, they go to the best doctor they can find. If, if there's a serious situation, they go to the best surgeon they can find. But with And with money, um, they don't always just go to the best. Um, it's Unfortunately, there's a weird um, phenomenon happening, isn't there, Ash, with you know, a lot of people, even though money is probably one of the most important things other than their health in life, a lot of people forget and don't really pay much attention to it. They don't have a plan. They just go see any old bank or broker with their money. Um, And uh, it's not always getting them what they want. So that's why we have to really step up as mortgage brokers and make them aware of how important loans and money and everything is in their life. And the only way to really do that is by being a leader and drawing it to their attention because otherwise they'll just ring you up and say, yeah, I'm looking to buy a property or I'd like to save some money. And that's all they're thinking about. Um, and we'd be doing them a disservice if we did that. So when we think about saying, sorry, nice brokers don't win, uh, I think that's a multi-pronged issue, Ash. Nice brokers don't win the business and nice brokers don't get the best outcomes for their clients either because by being reactive, and just giving the customer what they want, which is actually not what they really need, you're actually doing your clients a disservice by not really stepping up and being a strong authority, number one, and then, of course, being nice, number two. I think, personally, that this is one of the, if not the most powerful way that any individual mortgage broker or mortgage broking business can separate themselves in the marketplace and stand out is to position yourself this way. Um, Rather than uh, having more products or uh, better looking website or, you know, that old chestnut better service. Well, of course, everyone's got better service. You know, when there's 15,000 brokers all saying I've got better service. Well, how do you stand out in that noise? I can say this, you know, hand on heart, James and listeners, hand on heart, completely proven it beyond any reasonable doubt to myself and anybody that I've coached and trained and worked with is that customers want certainty. They want to go home from your appointment, lie in bed that night and look at their partner and answer that pivotal question is, did you get that mortgage stuff sorted out today? And they want to be able to say, yes. And that only comes when you deal with somebody who takes control and says, leave it with me. I'm going to save your life. I'm going to get you that amazing outcome. 
you leave it with me, here's what I need you to do. Now, that is the way to separate yourself out. So I think the steps forward from here for me are, well, how do I go about doing that? So, yeah, there's a few moving parts to this, James, but I think it really starts, in my personal opinion, with how you interact with leads at that very first point of contact. So this is building out a sales process that right from the get-go, you position yourself like this. It doesn't work if you start off wanting them to like you and then at some point through the process, you suddenly flip to being you know, autocratic with them. That will just annoy people. But if you start from this position and position yourself, your business and your team wrapped around a team of ninja specialists, you will stand out in the marketplace and you will have a never-ending stream of people wanting you to solve their problems. Yeah, 100%, Ash. I mean, my, my summary, I guess, outcome and what we'd like our listeners to do is just sort of what you said a moment ago. I'll take it one step further. And if, if we all imagine that it's a little bit like layers of an onion, right? Like, And we, the outer layers of the onion might be exactly what you say on the phone or how you run your meetings and how you present loan options to people, how you communicate, things like that, but the, the doing stuff. But thinking about like all of those things, we actually want to go right to the center and peel away all those layers of the onion. And, and we want to get to that center bit. And that's the bit we need to change for all of the other parts to be affected. So without changing the center bit, nothing's going to change. You can change your scripting or your meeting process or you know, the way you deliver loan options to customers. I don't think that's going to matter. What What's really at the heart of this is what you said. It's um, We've been talking a bit about being a solution provider and being proactive and an authority. And I think at the heart of this whole conversation is, of course, it's a mindset shift for each broker to go, right, um, I'm a professional, I'm the surgeon, I'm the expert, and I need to make that mindset shift to go, I am in control and I'm going to lead my customers. I know what's best. And then I think if you make that shift, everything, it's like a ripple effect. That's going to influence the way you uh, do everything in your business, like every email, every meeting, every client interaction, referral partner interaction is going to be affected by that mindset shift of I'm in control. It's going to happen my way. And that's the way we're going to get the best client outcomes. Like It's like that movie Inception, Ash, where like they have to go a dream within a dream within a dream to to affect yes. or influence that guy in the movie's core beliefs uh, at that deep level, and then everything uh, is affected from that point. So do you like that? I've sort of rolled in one of my favourite movies, Inception, into this conversation. I don't think it's the first time you've rolled Inception into a discussion, James, because it is a brilliant um, uh, sort of parable to correlate with the lessons and the learnings here, and you know, all, all ripples emanate from a a, a a place in the pond, don't they? And I think when it comes to some form of transform formation for a broker and their business, taking this on board, it really goes back to what you said, which is, you know, where's the starting point here? 
and you can't suddenly change the wording on your website or or, or suddenly ask one of the team members to do something um, out of the blue. It's really got to start with your mindset changing and your own personal behaviour changing, and then you can spread outwards from there to start to adjust where needed your sales process, your, your, you know, your digital footprint, um, the way that your team interact with customers off the back of repositioning how you deal with that pivotal commencement of the relationship because this is where this all begins. It doesn't kick in partway during or through, I should say, a relationship. It starts at the beginning and before the beginning, there's your mindset and it all flows from there. And may I add as um, as a sidebar here, this thinking is very, very correlated with how we interact with referral partners in many ways as well. But that's a conversation for another day. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Um, you, interacting with referral partners the exact same way as well. Um, yeah, I think if we've gone from onions to nice brokers to not being unlikable uh, <laughs> to inception and, <laughs> and, and dog analogies, I think we can wrap it up there. I think at the end of the day, listeners, it's about stepping up as a leader and there are other podcasts we've got talking about similar themes and I'm hoping that if you've listened to a few of our episodes by now or if not go back to some of our earlier episodes and and really start to deconstruct some of the common themes and use that to start growing your mortgage business easier and faster and um of course, be great to hear from you listeners, you know, rate the podcast and share it with other brokers who need this information. Uh, get in touch with us, have a chat, and uh, maybe we can even work, work together as well. But Ash, this has been a fun one. Uh, can't wait to see what's in store next week. Yeah, loved it, James. And listeners, yeah, I'd love to hear people's definition of what nice is in their mind after listening to this episode um, and see what changes it makes in their businesses. I know for me, as I said, it it nearly tripled my conversion rate without spending a cent on looking for extra customers. So it's a very, very powerful mindset shift. So yeah, I hope everybody takes that away and thinks about how they can apply that uh, moving forward with their business. Yeah, 100% Ash. See you next time, listeners. Ash, have yourself an awesome day. Bye-bye, James. See ya. Thanks for joining this episode of Mortgage Broker Acceleration. It's now time to grow your mortgage business, your income, and your lifestyle too. If you want to accelerate and learn from the best, head over to brokerworkshop.com and join the next deep dive training with James and Dash. That's www.brokerworkshop.com. Until next time, go get them.